You know what they say, there's no place like hell for the holidays. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. And we're here to talk to you about holiday horrors. This is the Hauntsville Cryptcast, and it's that time of year again where nothing good comes out in the theaters, so we have to deal with seeing all the bullshits that come out and watch all of our old classics. And 35 new Hallmark films. Oh, home invasion films. I cannot deal with another Christmas home invasion nope. film. Well, because, like, everybody's home for the holidays, and the scariest thing, I guess, is when you're surrounded by the people you love and care about is somebody breaking into your home and ruining your Christmas, right? I mean, yeah, I get that as, like, a real rational fear, but with a holiday that's so rooted in, like, ancient, terrifying pagan lore, I feel like horror is the perfect breeding ground for films that encompass that, and I feel like no one's utilizing that. We've had a handful of good holiday horror films and the rest are just riddled with home invasion films like it's the same story over and over again even in the ones that like they have like more of a a mythological paranormal aspect to them like if i have to see another movie about a fucked up santa claus i'm over it yeah yeah i mean some of them do it in a good original way like in um a christmas horror story like yes. that whole twist with oh, the Santa man. was incredible because one, you didn't see it coming and two, it's a realistic fear that someone's just going to go like falling down mode on people in like a shopping mall as Santa. Well, Christmas Horror Story is like, it's it's a real standout among the, the genre of, I guess, like Christmas horror. It's, it's also evidence that like, it can be done. Like you can make a good you know, holiday horror movie and just, like, I don't know why people don't. It drives me crazy. The thing that I love about A Christmas Horror Story is it encompasses everything that the holiday is about because it's an anthology series that ties four stories together and you have one story that chronicles, you know, a ghost story, which is such a popular element of Christmas tradition, and that ghost story is is just so centered on the idea of the virgin birth, which ties into Christianity's Christmas. Then you have a story that focuses entirely on family values, and this family that is just so shitty that they live a Christmas nightmare. And again, focusing on family, you have a story about a smaller family who is just trying to celebrate being back together for the holidays when they encounter a mysterious Christmas creature who switches places with their son, which is probably one of the more horrifying stories in A Christmas Horror Story. And then, as Anna pointed out, that incredible twist where you're watching this regular, you know, Santa Claus up at the North Pole and all his elves making toys and stuff goes completely awry, and then you're watching a zombie film, and then it turns out to be completely different. Like, that threw me for the biggest loop. I was not expecting that Santa story arc. That's how you do a fucked up Santa. That or Silent Night, Deadly Night. (laughs) Well, yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night is amazing. 
That's I know, like, like the everyone. Ultimate slasher. It's the yeah. definitive classic of Christmas slashers. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, something's wrong. A lot of people I know haven't actually seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. They've only seen the second one for the whole garbage day thing. It's garbage day. <laughs> then they don't watch the original because they think it's going to be like this cheesy ridiculousness when actually Silent Night, Deadly Night is a very good slasher film. Yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night is it takes the idea of home invasion and a real horror story and PTSD to a whole new level where you have this totally understandable character who just happens to snap on Christmas and takes the bad Santa routine to extremes. Well, this is the story. This is the kid who watches his parents get killed. Yeah. And then 20-some years later, he snaps on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, So it gives you, like, a full backstory of what leads up to to him snapping. Like, if we're going to have a slasher, that's an excellent backstory. A really good character who you're not sure if, like, okay, I know he's doing terrible things, but I understand why he's doing them. Well, because I, I haven't seen the original. And, oh, man. Uh, well, I, I just, I know, based on your your testimony, that it, that it's solid. And, like, of course, I, I probably should have watched it before we fucking did this episode. But now, like, I'm getting inspired. But, like, that's the whole nature of this podcast. Like, that's why, uh, you know, for me, I wanted to do this to, like, shine some light on these things. Like, when you said, like, oh, you know, I know a lot of people that have only... I've seen fucking the Garbage Day. Yeah. And, like, I, I love that because I love that, like, cheesy, like, kitschiness. And I, I love, a, like, a, a bad remake that has, like, redeemable qualities to it. Like, the quotableness. I just, I never got around to, to seeing the original, and you guys have re-inspired me, I guess. Yeah, we have to do that at some point soon. Cause... Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're getting to that time of year. I I need I need to experience something new. Like, a couple of years ago, when we got Krampus. Oh, yes. That was an absolute treat. I, I was beside myself. I saw it, I think, maybe, like, three times in theaters, because I, I loved it. And I it was something fresh that you know, needed to be shoved back into the genre. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, like, Michael Doherty is just a genius, anyway. He did uh, Trick or Treat, and he Which wanted still to... still need to see. It's oh, the it's, ultimate it, Halloween it, yeah. film. You just can... like Krampus is the ultimate Christmas film. Like, the man is the king of holidays. Oh, if so he I gotta watch Easter it now. film, I would watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started about <laughs> Easter horror. You have that one segment in, in holidays, holidays, which is... Pretty weird, but also good. Practical effects. Oh, the like weird bunny. Yeah, oh, that's one of the most horrifying was, creatures yeah. I've ever seen. If I think you that get was a chance only... to see holidays, stick with it. They're pretty hit or miss shorts. It's an anthology. Kevin Smith did one of them, and it wasn't. It wasn't great. great. <laughs> no. Seth Green was in one. It was good because Seth Green was in it. That was about it. Yeah, and um, that's the Christmas one. Like we watched holidays sure. to prepare ourselves for this podcast. And it was just like, okay, the best segment in there is Father's Day, and the most terrifying sequence is the Easter Bunny. No, the yeah. best segment is the Valentine's Day one. The only problem with the um, the Easter one is, like, it was a horrifying, amazing concept for a makeup, but it was really badly executed, so it kind of took you out of it. But I'm really critical when it comes to special effects makeup. I know I'm, I'm supposed to be, and I probably should be, based on the way that I talk about it. They they could have, going in and seeing a, an anthology film, I always have such low expectations. And so when it came out and it was, like, pretty cool, I was like, cool, I, I'm in. I, whatever, I love it. 
that's the other thing about these holiday films. Like, like you mentioned before, Doza, nobody's making them. Like, we have so few to really discuss. Although, in researching and preparing for this episode, I realized there are a ton of Christmas horror films that I have not seen. Like, they just come out under the radar, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Because there's no market for them. Like, nobody... Because of the history of them not being good, when you see one, you're like, oh, fuck, skip. They show up on Netflix all the time, especially this time of year, and I'm just like, next, oh, next. And I'm the, I'm the person, like, I'll watch any movie, but, like, I can't... I can't do it. Have <laughs> yeah. Netflix done any good horror films? Like an original? Yeah. Or- yeah. Netflix has been pretty on point. But, like, what? I can't think Is of any. Is Hush a Netflix original? I don't think so. I could look that up. But I know for a fact that The Ritual is a Netflix original. Oh, Ritual is very Ritual good. Ritual is good. Cargo okay. with Martin oh, Freeman. Was that Netflix? Yeah, oh, okay. it, it was originally it was a good. short. Yeah. But they picked it up and cast Martin Freeman, which is brilliant, of course. Yeah. I think he's my favorite actor. I've been saying this for years. <laughs> Edward Norton was, like, my guy for a while. Edward and then he Norton, got, really? I don't know. He, <laughs> I watched Fight Club in uh, high school, and I thought he was kind of hot. <laughs> I, I don't know and then he was the Hulk and I was like yeah get big <laughs> and then I, I developed some taste and I started watching you know I watched the, the British Office mm-hmm. and I was like oh Martin Freeman is a, an excellent actor yeah he is fantastic and that concludes this <laughs> <laughs> Martin Freeman fan gushing that happens in every episode. Just wait five more minutes for the John Carpenter fan gushing. But before we get to that, I'd like to continue talking about Christmas horror films. Yes, oh yeah, can we go back to Krampus? Because I yeah. I started talking and then I don't remember what happened. There's a, there's a lot to say on Krampus. I got bit by the the Segway bug. Is is that what it is? Segway side. Yeah. There's like scooter things. No, when you, like, get off on a tangent. Yeah. Oh, that's a completely different word. (laughs) Segway? Segway would be transitioning into something. I transitioned away from this. Yeah. (laughs) Is it still a Segway? Okay, so Krampus. Yeah, I I love... uh, Krampus, I've watched every holiday season since it came out. Uh, I don't know, on Blu-ray. And it's just... It's a real shining star that I look forward to every year. And, like, I could watch it, like, I would watch it, like, any time of year, but it makes it extra special to watch it, like, with your friends and your family around the holidays. Because, like, God, I wish that were us. <laughs> being, um, being yeah, but like also, yeah. no. <laughs> <sighs> but I definitely think that Michael Doherty embraces everything that is expected of a holiday film in general, not even holiday horror. Like, he takes the hokiness of these Christmas family films and incorporates that into how his characters behave. He takes the traditional elements of like, okay, what are people excited about for the holidays? They're excited about presents. He takes that and throws it in two extreme circumstances where the film opens on Black Friday, where everyone is trampling each other over presents and it really like showcases the human condition. And on the opposite extreme, he showcases the dark element of these presents being the downfall of Christmas because they're all gifts from Krampus. They're all meant to punish rather than reward. It's also got like so many different elements of just cinematography in general or just different styles. Like the lighting is amazing throughout the film. Um, it's like visually gorgeous. Yeah, it's and also the little watch. stop motion 
sequence yes. was just beautiful. What was stop motion? Uh, the grandmother's retelling of her encounter oh, with Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. I completely forgot about that right now. And like Anna, you oh. as somebody who is a stop motion <laughs> animator, armature creator, that is is such a staple here in the U.S. Like we get a lot of holiday stop motion films. We've got Rudolph. We've got Rudolph's Shiny New Year that we don't talk about because it's bad. Um, Year Without a Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Like, these are huge staples from Rankin Bass. Um, Which I've never seen. What? We don't don't have Rankin and Bass in the UK. This is why, like, as someone who's, like, stop motion is my life, it's really weird that you guys get, like, these stop motion Christmas films. We gotta get you a... I can't find them in region two. I've tried. Damn. Yeah, region one DVDs are my downfall. Um, You're missing out on how terrifying the abominable snowman was in those fucking movies. The only Rankin and Bass film that I've seen is uh, Mad Monster Party. I'm so sorry. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it was a good story. It was just, I mean, to be fair, it was the story of your puppet show. Um, Whoops. (laughs) But. The, the, yeah, the animation, I suppose. I appreciate it. I just thought it was slightly lazy. But, I mean, the fact that the Rankin and Bass stop motions are such a staple here, and Michael Doherty went the extra mile to incorporate a stop motion Christmas story into this already overarching Christmas horror story was... It just it shows how much he cares about what he's putting out there. Did they outsource that that segment, or did they make it in-house? I don't actually know. Um, I guess we should look into that. Yeah. I mean, I only saw Krampus for the first time, what, like, last week? Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. Um, And instantly, it's it's easily my first or second favorite horror movie ever. Ever? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, Christmas horror movie. Oh. I can't can't deal with ranking (laughs) horror movies blanketed, but Christmas horror movie, it's definitely either my first or second favorite. Just do what I do and say that every movie is in your top ten. I do that a lot. (laughs) I easily have uh, at least 60 or 70 movies in my top ten, yeah. I hate that you do that. I cherish them all in different ways. And I like... For every part of Krampus that I did like, I I hate the the gingerbread cookie sequence. I did it first. I thought it was way too cheesy, and I was like, oh, you've just kind of ruined this beautiful aesthetic by putting this little CGI. Yeah, that, I, I don't like, think so at all. But, I mean, I love that he did everything. Hey, I want to hear Anna's take on this because okay. she's on my side a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought at first, and I was like, oh, that sucks. You've ruined it. There's a little CGI monster, and he just looks out of place in this world. But then it, when it started like attacking and like the other toys were incorporated. I still hate the fact it was CGI, but I also understand there is no way he would have been able to do that character or anything that it did without CGI. Yeah, um, but did, did the movie need that? Could they have done something else? Or? N- not really, but also, I suppose... I can't I can't put down Michael Doherty, so my, oh, yeah, my reasoning to. or explanation for it is that maybe he was just trying to add something like deceptively family-friendly and like flip it on its ass basically yeah, for I mean, me that's his homage to gremlins 
Like, oh, especially yeah. the kitchen scene is oh. verbatim oh, the kitchen scene I in Gremlins. the kitchen scene, yeah. Well, that, I am ashamed, because we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, but Cre- oh, Gremlins totally is my fucking that. favorite uh, the movie to watch this time of year. Favorite, like, favorite Gremlins favorite. and Krampus are punching each other in the face for me. Oh, I can't pick man. between the two. I, I mean, Gremlins for nostalgia reasons, because I watch that every Christmas. Um... Like without fail, that and Die Hard are my Christmas films to watch every single year. Yeah, we we know your your stance on that. But yeah, but I think Krampus is gonna have to join them from now on. Oh yeah, I'm so glad you liked it. I loved it. So uh, sorry guys, I'm looking at the stop motion bit, and it looks like I don't know how to pronounce that company's name. I'm gonna butcher it. Weta. 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 W e t a. Um. But they did the stop motion as well as a lot of the other practical effects in the film. Oh. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, they're the company that worked on Lord of the Rings, too. I, I can't comment. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like For, for this, the CGI elements in Krampus, I can, I can excuse that for how awesome the practical effects were. Oh, like yeah. The Jack in the Box was so oh, sick. Jack in the Box was one of my favorite visually terrifying creatures that I have seen in horror in such a long time. My favorite sort of like subgenre of horror is, is creature features. So like yeah. I love good monster design and I for every every moment that it was on screen, I literally I had my hands on my forehead like I'm doing right now and I was like <laughs> blown away because I was so excited. I was like, yeah. that that's a fucking good monster right there. Exactly. And it wasn't even the main monster. It was yeah. just like, oh, let's chuck some other monsters in here. And that's what they came up An with. An auxiliary like, monster in, in a Christmas horror movie, and I was in love with it. Every one of his, his additional monsters beyond Krampus is just like incredibly well thought out and well done. The angel treetopper oh, is yeah. terrifying. I, oh my god. There's only one of his additional creatures that I don't like, and I mean, you guys can have your gingerbread men as your downfall, but the robot does me in. Oh, the robot's unnecessary. Yeah. It doesn't fit in. Every other horror creature in Krampus is like rustic and old timey, and clearly this is handmade in a workshop a hundred years ago, but then there's one robot. Yeah. And it doesn't help that it makes a really cute noise when it dies, because robots do me in. I know, and that's yeah. that's your robots are your weakness. I don't know if that's like the, are you latching onto that a little too much, and that's what's bringing you down? Cause no, I mean, I I cry whenever robots die in movies as well, but like it is upsetting. It, it was, I just didn't feel like it added or did anything. No, I mean, I'd forgotten about it yeah. until you just said it, and you just watched. Yeah, it. exactly. Like it, it doesn't yeah, leave just... an impact like the rest of them. I want to see the Anthony Labriola cut of Krampus. Just like it would all just be without the robots. <laughs> no, yeah, just Krampus without the robot then. Oh, yeah, yeah it, it wouldn't make a difference. See? Even that Krampus bell was beautiful. Oh, yeah. I want one. I have he has like a hundreds. bunch of like German sleigh bells from the 1800s. Somebody donated them here. And they look as haunting as that Krampus bell is. The only thing they're missing is it's saying Krampus across it. And you're telling me this now? I just got them, like, real recently. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm doing the, the jack-in-the-box thing. But yeah, I mean, that again, that shows Michael Doherty's attention to detail. And where how she loves the Polar is, Express. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves the Polar... No. You gotta get that bell, baby. <laughs> I've never seen the Polar Express. I don't know. Tom Hanks gives a bell to a CGI kid. 
Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, clearly there are staples riddled throughout where Michael Doherty's just taken everything that we've come to know about these holiday films and turned them to the dark side. Also, Michael Doherty, if you're ever listening, I really want to know what your beef is with Charlie Brown. Because in both <laughs> Trick or Treat, there's a kid who has a line that's just, Charlie, Charlie Brown's, Brown's an, an asshole. asshole. And um, <laughs> Max, the protagonist in Krampus, is just constantly worried about whether or not him and his family are going to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Yeah, Michael Doherty, why don't you like Charlie Brown? Too wholesome. I- <laughs> but also, if you it. are listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think Krampus has got to be my number one. But yeah, Gremlins fights that real hard. Well, uh, if you it. want to talk about practical effects, the origin of, you know, having monsters in Christmas movies. Yeah. I don't think anybody did it better. I think practical effects wise, you can't fault Gremlins on any grounds. And it, it's good because... Even though it's not that old of a movie, I mean, it's the 80s. Like, I don't consider that that old, because I can't. Cause... Yeah, we're all... Yeah. <laughs> okay, I know, the 80s um, are right there. It's, it shows that there's no excuse for people to not use practical effects, because we have more available now in order to be able to do those things for cheaper and even more detailed and correctly. And they did a whole film with hundreds of creatures, all made practically, all shot perfectly, the only CGI moment I can think of is the gargoyle gremlins, and I think that's in number two. Isn't yeah, it? that's not till the second one. Yeah. That's when they started incorporating CG, but for every CG gremlin, it had a physical component base. Yeah. So even then, they're just going the extra mile and adding CG on top of what's already there. Yeah. I don't want to devalue um, the work that goes into like the the artists that do the, the CG effects. If it's good, then absolutely. If it's not, then, I mean, there's no point in having it in the film, and I would hate to devalue somebody's work, but just backtracking to a Christmas horror story, their Krampus is entirely practical effects. I really like the way it's done. They paid attention to specific details, but when it comes to the old lore of Krampus, everybody focuses on his long tongue. Cool, fine. When Michael Doherty did it, he made sure that the lighting and the shading and everything, whatever his team did for CG, made sure that it worked in the context of it. Yeah. But if you go back to a Christmas horror story, the tongue looks incredibly out of place. It doesn't look like a lot of care or effort was put into it. It just looks like some kind of writhing tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. There is a way to use CG to make things look like they naturally appear. Yeah. And the fact that people still make it look as shoddy as it was when it first came around, like in 80s movies, it, there's no excuse for that at all. Right, and especially it when it's cheaper to do things practically, I don't understand, especially with low budget films, why they even bother with CG because they especially pay more CG money to get wounds. something that doesn't look as good. And if you could make films like that in the 80s with practical effects, or even like in the 70s with practical effects that looked realistic, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, there are CG effects packs, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, that are just, like, openly available on After Effects. So, like, you can get 
here's your ten basic wounds, and here's a blood spatter. Oh. Um, the Walking Dead is a victim of doing this, too. For a show that has so much money going into it, they use a lot of shoddy CG wounds. I, I can't stand that in horror, because I know that it cost me $3 to make a good practical effects open wound with blood of different coagulations. Both the practical and the CG effects in Krampus, I thought, were really, really good. They did an excellent job tying them together. It's like yeah. with Gremlins 2, where the CG just kind of enhances what's already there. Yeah. Except for that electric phone line gremlin. I still love him. <laughs> oh, I do, I, I do love I actually, him. I think he's two-dimensionally animated, which is awesome. I do like that. I'm going to, hang on, I'm trying to buy a gremlin real quick. Uh, if you go to a Muck Time Comics, they have one. Also, we NECA... We just there, dude. I know. NECA makes um, replicas that are incredible. They're usually a couple hundred dollars. They're, uh, I guess, about up. two or three feet tall. And they move incredibly. Like, you basically have your own gremlin. Oh, my God. These are awesome. I want one. $700 used life-size <laughs> prop replica, one-to-one -one scale limited. I would pay $700 Talk show gremlin. <laughs> Guys, talk oh. show gremlin. Why NECA just the best? They do make some of the best replicas really of do. horror figures and uh, props. Uh, however, Weta, however we want to pronounce that. Mm -hmm. Where is it based? I don't know. I didn't check. But they just released a line of Krampus replicas. So, oh. like, for one the company one. that worked on it, not like Krampus himself, but they do have a one-to-one -one of the uh, Angel Tree Topper. Oh, cool. Um, That's awesome. And they have, like, ornaments of the different characters, which is, like, for the company that worked on it to release replicas is phenomenal. Yeah. You're not going to get more accurate than that. Definitely. They also do the Krampus bell. Like, you can so get cool. that as just a regular tree ornament. Oh, also, one last point I need to make about Krampus. The cast was pretty star-studded for, one, a horror movie, two, a Christmas horror movie, and three, I love Adam Scott. Adam Scott is <laughs> Adam my Scott horror is dad. He's so cute. I, Yo, Little Evil? Little Evil, he's oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. Little Evil and Krampus just sold me. I was like, he's my horror dad. If there's ever a dad in a horror movie that I need to be somebody who I have compassion for, Adam Scott. He's, like, so incredibly charming in all of these roles. He, do, he does it so well. Apart from Step Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, in these roles, definitely. Yeah. But my mind always goes back to Step Brothers. <laughs> um, Anna and I are watching uh, The Good Place, and he just appeared oh, in it. Yeah. What? Yeah. He's an yeah. amazing demon. Like, right where you stopped, he comes in as a demon. And even then, I'm just like, that's yeah. horror, Dad. You deserve to, like, oh, be I'm king so of I still love him as a demon, because he's just, like... He's charming in a shitty way. Yeah. And is he a series regular? I don't know, because he's been, been in the last, last couple episodes, episodes that yeah. we've watched. Oh my god, so I I'm imagine he is. <laughs> yeah, Adam Scott in Krampus is, like, one of the best protagonists in a horror film overall that I've ever seen. Because from the beginning, he's relatable. You get an understanding of his, his goals and where he stands with his family and how much he cares about every one of them. Like, he's a fully fleshed out character, and I mean, sure, that's Michael Doherty's writing, but the way that Adam Scott portrays that and shows that from the slightest facial feature to just his, his grand gestures of kicking ass and making every point that he made earlier, 
Uh, he brings in that he was an Eagle Scout at one point, and every bit of that comes into play. Nothing goes wasted. We can get back to Gremlins in a second, but fucking, we watched uh, Rare Exports. Oh, yes. I was waiting for us to that film talk about that. Is a gift. So Rare Exports is phenomenal. Yeah, like a, cr- <laughs> a Krampus level Christmas it's horror. It's got film. the aspect of like Troll Hunter. Yes. Where you, you kind of go into it thinking it's going to be ridiculous. ridiculous, and then like Troll Hunter or like Home of a Shotgun, like those type of things where you just think this is going to be ridiculous and fun, and then it hits you in the gut and makes you feel things and it's beautiful and it's just that's actually a serious film somehow although if you've ever wanted to see santa's dick this is the film for you but that's not they're not santas a lot of santa dicks there was there was a room full of them when they were showering and everything (laughs) it's a lot of santa dick they take the aspect of like a standard mall santa and uh they kind of boil it down to old man with gray beard uh, gray hair, and they make them like Santa's little helpers, and they're like honeybees, and they swarm. It's over the big Santa, uh, which is this recently unearthed gargantuan Santa Krampus hybrid, frozen in a block of ice. We're making it sound a lot worse than it actually is. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, am- it's, it's amazing, yeah, but like done exceptionally well. It focuses on a small cast of very relatable characters that are easy to to grow attached to fighting against this, what they think from the beginning. Oh, Piperinen. Piperini. I think he's the helicopter pilot? Yeah. Yeah. It's this small village in, I guess, Finland, just trying to get by on their small stock of, of reindeer which are their food source and and these the pelts and like whatever it focuses very much on how much this community comes together to make sure that they survive together and when the scientific organization comes in and ruins everything trying to unearth this gargantuan horrifying santa yeah fuck you science yeah their whole community just goes to shit and so they capture one of the elves they're yeah they're they elves. refer to them as elves but it's one of the naked santas that's running around and they think that it's the real santa and it turns out that there's just this hive mind and he's one of many ties into this ancient finnish lore of santa and i guess their version of krampus and so the thing that bothered me is, uh, whereas in Krampus, like, Adam Scott's character mentions he was an Eagle Scout, and that ties in. One of the scientists that is working on, like, the Santa excavation project gives them a a list of rules when he finds out that it's Santa, and it's, like, it's no... No no swearing, no smoking, wash behind your ears, and the crew laughs it off as ridiculous, and that's a good setup for us, where it's like, oh, if any of this happens, we know that Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> but it never comes back into play again. There, there's one additional moment where it happens, like towards like they're in like the final act of the movie, where they feel where like all the elves are converging, and the scientist is like, "That's not Santa." Everybody, smile, real big, and it needs to be sincere. And, and that's it. Like, I wish it had played in more, uh, like, if they yeah. had more interactions with yeah. the elves and, like, they had to hold them up and, like... 
because instead they just kind of herded them and that was that yeah they they, they weren't that hard to uh to control in the yeah end. not a terrible threat but yeah. the end was fantastic because oh, absolutely it was hilarious but also really believable somehow rare exports is both terrifying and so family friendly. Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of dicks for a family friendly movie. Maybe. Oh, oh yeah, from okay, the dicks, from the dicks. But ev- the everything terrifying happens off screen. It's the terror of the unseen. So I think they did a great job of that. Like you can watch this all ages apart from the dicks. And when he bites off his ear. Yeah, but even then they don't show you yeah, biting off the ear. The they just show the wound. But the end is just the most wholesome thing. I have ever seen. Definitely. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it up here. This no, but it drags you back into holiday like spirit. Made me feel real good, and I got like re excited for the holidays. Like this time of year is like whatever. I'm, I'm, it's cool to hang out with your friends and everything. Now that we're getting older, I'm a little over it. But this was like, oh, the holiday spirit is still alive. (laughs) If this podcast like blows up, can we start a fundraiser to have? our fans pay for you to get a rare exports tattoo as somebody who's played Santa? <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> I, I would love I would love to have somebody pay for my rare exports tattoo, like the the logo of the quote rare exports company. Well then while you're at it, can you pay for all of my Vincent Price tattoos and my Universal <laughs> Monsters tattoo? I feel like this this idea is, you know Hey, we're we're working on it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah I I've played Santa in the Miracle on 34th Street musical, which is almost a direct rip from the movie, but it's so fucking boring, because, like, I'm only Santa for maybe, like, 20 minutes in the show, and the rest of it, I'm Kris Kringle, and it's a legal drama, and I'm Santa in court, and I'm wearing a fucking, like, a three, not three-piece suit, like a, like a business suit. It's about three hours long, and the last hour yeah. and a half is, like, I'm filling out paperwork, and they're interrogating me. <laughs> I've not seen the true terrors history. of Christmas. It's like that's the one where at the end they're trying to prove that like Santa this mall Santa real. is the real Santa Claus, oh. and then they come in with a bunch of letters at the end, and they're like, "He is real," addressed to Santa Claus at the North Pole, and then we all hold hands and sing a song. Oh, oh speaking of Santa is real, you guys know yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. No, no. So it's a product of Macy's. And you can basically write letters to Santa in a Macy's. But it's the story of this little girl who was trying to figure out whether or not Santa Claus is real. It's very cute. Uh, They did a great job with it. It's a storybook. I think they may have done an animated version. But I don't know what company did it. Another company this year just did Yes, Virginia, There is a Krampus. Amazing. Hang on. Is this real? Can I write a letter? There's Um, there's quite a few uh, kids' stories about Krampus, though, that have started coming out. Interesting. Is it like a cautionary tale? Almost always. Okay. Uh, yeah, apart, right from, down... apart from one where it's like, poor Mr. Krampus. And Mr. It's like Krampus. Him Mr. Krampus not, wa- him not wanting to be mean and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, even uh, there's uh, one artist that is doing, instead of Elf on the Shelf, Krampus in the Corner. That doesn't rhyme. <laughs> it's just, Chris, you know. Krampus on your rampus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Fuck me. So, the the thing about Gremlins and movies like, like Krampus and a lot of the things that I see in, like, these anthologies, and I don't know if it's, like, the, the Christmas aspect that it is limiting for a, a good Christmas horror movie, 
but a lot of I feel like a lot of these have to integrate like other genres into them and I feel like a lot of these come off as comedy horror like um, they pepper in these comedic elements to, to strengthen the weak parts of this film absolutely and, yeah which again is usually a lot of the home invasion movies yeah I think the problem is that people can't people focus on only Santa or Krampus there's, it's rare that anyone focuses on any of the rest of the folklore around Christmas or any other traditions or any, like that's why Chuvenge was oh my fun God, because Trevenge. it focused on something that wasn't to do with Santa or anything like that it was, that was that's horrifying. gonna be a new tradition for me I, can't, I don't know if I can watch it again amazing. really I, I probably can, but what? Like, it, it was a, it was an emotional roller coaster for me in sixteen minutes. I was like, these poor trees. Oh, why are they hurting the trees? And because oh, the trees like make noises and have voices and stuff, like and so log, they make you feel really bad because they're like, why am I being cut down? And then the little sap tree is like, why are you taking my parents? And then they, <laughs> it made me really sad. And I was like, these evil humans, they deserve to get revenge. But then when they took revenge, I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's and then when they killed the baby, I was kind of like, "Oh, yeah, you, that had, was you were a clutching lot. your heart like the whole time you were watching this." I didn't know how to feel. I mean, for a 16-minute short independent film, yeah. they, like kudos to them. They did an incredible job. Everything's practical. There are some gnarly kills in it. It's everything that a horror film should be. It just focuses on an element of Christmas that really gets overlooked in the trees, but it gives them such personality and, oh my god, yeah. yeah. I, I love it, because I love that kind of stuff. Like, it's over the top and it knows that it's over the top. Like, every character in this thing is yelling all well, the time. <laughs> I think that's an incredible thing, because the trees, even for their uh, Mogwai-type noises, are intelligible and uh, you feel compassion for them mm -hmm. and they're the more human characters whereas every human character is an animal. It's just screaming and guttural noises and I think a great depiction of people around the holidays. It's Christmas and I just want to fuck! Oh yeah. <laughs> Direct quote. <laughs> that... But yeah, I, I'm super down with that being a new tradition. I'll... You know I gotta, I gotta show my brother he'll love this. Yes. So Luke, Trevenge... Fuck yeah. I will watch it again. I, I definitely think Treevenge is in my top five for holiday horrors. Like, if it's Krampus, Gremlins, it might be Treevenge at a three, and Silent Night, Deadly Night at four. And five. Oh, five. Have you guys ever seen Santa's Slay? S-L-A-Y? Yeah. No. No. Okay. So I went into this thinking it was going to be another shitty Santa home invasion film. It's not. It's brutal and hilarious and so good from the get-go. There's never a point where it loses momentum, but like in the beginning of this film, Santa Claus comes down the chimney. He's this demon from hell who like just lost a bet with an angel and just, I think he kicks a dog into the fire and rips oh. Fran Drescher's head off. Both of those are upsetting. <laughs> Franny. I think Santa Slay is up there for me. It's funny because uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night was called Slay Ride up until opening week. I didn't know that. Yeah. Was it S-L-A-Y? Yeah. Why? And they just changed it at the last minute. They decided that they wanted Silent Night, Deadly Night. Interesting. Also, the director of Silent Night, Deadly Night, he got the producer, no, not the producer, the editor of the film, 
to direct any scenes with gore in it because he didn't like shooting gore. Huh. How weird is that? I think that's a phenomenal thing to do because to have somebody who doesn't like gore direct a horror film... Means they focus on... They're going to focus on so much more than that. That's where, like, the heart of Silent Night, Deadly Night comes into play. Because, well, it does have some amazing and brutal kills. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, there's so much more to focus on there. Like, yeah. there is direction taking place and not just, yeah, whack him with the axe and blood comes out. <laughs> For anyone who's wondering why we're not mentioning Bat Christmas, it's because it sucks. So In every incarnation. Yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying on that. I'm fucking over it. <laughs> Uh, well, if we're going to talk about Black Christmas, then maybe we should talk about Red Christmas. Also a bad idea. No. Yeah, they're just different titles of the same sucky movie. Well, they're, okay, they're, they're different, but like... But everything's a home invasion. I'm just really annoyed at that video that we saw where they were like, Black Christmas, it started the staple of holiday slashes, or like slasher horror films. It's like, no, it, it didn't. It was in the 80s. We had slashes before the 80s. So... Just no, and that wouldn't have been a good introduction to slasher movies. Oh, Anna, weren't you also telling us during that that Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Nightmare on Elm Street came out the same week? Yeah, I think it was definitely the same, within the same week. So I don't know if it was the same week, or if it, like one was a week before the other, but Silent Night, Deadly Night actually grossed more in the first few weeks of... Um, being in theaters than uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And then it got shut down and banned from a lot of theaters. Yeah. There were people like protesting outside, giving out pamphlets, saying like, don't watch this movie and like, don't let your kids hear about Santa being evil and stuff. So I don't know if that means it was like the first depiction of Santa being evil or not. I haven't looked into this at all, but like, obviously there's a lot more outcry about this than any other Christmas horror film. Yeah, I think um, Silent Night, Deadly Night and Santa Slay both got banned in the US as a whole for a period of time. You think that might be derivative of the satanic panic that was going on at the time and like a bastardization of Santa which is an icon of like a Christian holiday was like too much and they were just like get rid of anything that's scary and evil? I could see that. I could definitely see that being the case. Um, Santa Slay came out much later, so I don't know if I would attribute that to the Satanic Panic. Um, but for Silent Night, Deadly Night, I could definitely see that being an element. I mean, the church has had way too much influence in banning films to the point it where, It really like, seems to be over in this country. Yeah. I will point that out. Like, America bans more films than anyone it's anywhere. It's fun to say no to stuff. People love when they're right and other people are wrong. But also your country is a very religious country. So, I, I mean, I get it. Like, there's probably a lot more people um, to We left your country offend. for religious freedom. <clears throat> so that's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember I was in Catholic school and I remember getting a letter sent I always home forget that. <laughs> about how, yeah, my pagan roots really show. <laughs> But we got letters sent home about how none of us were supposed to have anything to do with the Golden Compass or any of the books in that series. Like, when the film came out, they were like, because it refers to the animals in it as demons, and because of where the entire series escalates to, I kind of get that part, but still. 
crazy. We would get in trouble or detentions if we were heard talking about about the golden compass. Oh about God. the golden compass. <clears throat> I'm wow. sorry to anyone who's Catholic, but that's bullshit. Like yeah. that's repressing people. Just, I mean, come on. You went to Catholic school your whole life, and you're the most pagan person who just like. Yeah, I think the two boom. might go hand in hand. But fun fact for everybody out there listening, uh, Golden Compass, even though it's not a Christmas film, there are a lot of beautiful wintry scenes oh, yeah. and one epic polar bear fight <laughs> is one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Ever. I can't believe you got that bad. Ever. Ever. I only just now remember that this existed because you mentioned it. <laughs> It, was it a bigger deal than I know? The Golden Compass? No, it went totally under the radar. Okay. <laughs> but the church did stop the production from the two other films that were supposed to come after. Weird. So, Satanic Panic is real and it's sweeping the nation, except now the Church of Satan is doing a 180 and oh, trying to ban like Sabrina. Sabrina because of their <laughs> statue. I mean, if on, the guys. Catholic Church got mad about the exorcist using the cross and tried to sue... That'd be ridiculous. So why y'all being ridiculous? Yeah, it's just making you look kind of bad and then reaffirming all these other religions' thoughts of you guys being ridiculous, which is not fair. Especially with all the good that the Satanic Temple has done. Exactly, and now, now they're making themselves look like assholes. <laughs> it's like when Peter go on like some big rant, and I'm like, guys, you're supposed to be representing all the animal cruelty. Like, Fuck Peter is the and worst they make, company. But they make anyone who is against animal cruelty look ridiculous because they try and be the spokespeople. That's what I mean. When a spokes company or people try and speak for a whole community and they fuck up, it reflects badly on the whole community. Yeah, I think and the church did a the Satanic Temple did have to come out and say something how like it's only a small group of them suing Sabrina. Yeah, which is good because they shouldn't have the power to speak for loads of people because there's probably loads of people who are satanists who thought it was absolutely insane and there's loads of people who are against animal cruelty who think peter are insane yeah and me. yeah oh, fuck. <laughs> they, they are insane do you guys remember oh anna you wouldn't but does when we were younger here do you remember when the satanic panic made sure that dungeons and dragons was like seriously not... yeah that so, when I was a kid, for a small period of time, I, I caught like the tail end of this, so Dungeons Dra Dragons was like taboo. Uh, we were just on the cusp of the last Satanic Panic. We got the, the very, very tail end of it. the 60s and the 90s were the two big ones. And, uh, I don't think UK has ever had one. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons like a long time ago, back when it was like still nerdy to play. And I, I stopped for a while because some of my friends weren't allowed to play uh, from their parents because it was, quote, evil. And some of my friends had to quit Magic the Gathering because of some of, like, the the artwork on the cards and, like, oh, the little, wow. the, the flavor text on the bottom. And I was just a kid, and I was like, I just want to play a game with my fucking friends. What the hell? <laughs> That's crazy. I got a letter home about those, too. Oh, I oh never got the God. letter, but I just, like, because I, I had friends that went to Catholic schools, and they were like, yeah, I can't hang out with you anymore because you're a... Uh, you're evil. You're a nerd. <laughs> if oh. I ever move here, I'm not, like, letting my kids go to school. Here. School? Yeah. In general? They're being homeschooled because I am not having them in cool the American pub like public education system. Miss Conver, you're so beautiful today. <laughs> Here's this apple. <laughs> but I don't want them to learn based off like 
prejudiced religious backgrounds. I want them to but just again, learn normally, and that doesn't seem to happen in this country. For a whole. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to happen. Everyone I've spoken to went to a school where they spoke about religion all the time. I didn't. Yeah, I went to public, public school. schools, but <laughs> like, blah, 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 blah. like I went to Catholic school. I had a bunch of friends in Catholic school, and I know mm. you met a bunch of them. So yeah, we we did get the brunt of the satanic panic literature. I also have these little booklets that um, are like little comics that usually come out around the holidays, specifically Halloween and Christmas, uh, about the evils of Satan and his holidays and not to be tempted by um, the pagan traditions of Christmas or any traditions of Halloween. Cool. I collect them. They're amazing. Uh, Basically, (laughs) if you go to any... Do you have some around? Not here. I have them at the house. We'll put them on the Instagram. Okay. Yeah, if you guys are listening on SoundCloud or anything, you can follow us on Instagram now. I've been putting our, our links on the, the Awesome. Thing. So we're at Hauntsville Cryptcast. I think we're like going to delve into a more visual thing. medium as well. I think, um, Anna, you wanted to do YouTube. Yeah. Which, as you guys get to know us more, Anna has one of the coolest collections of horror merchandise I have ever seen. So I'm sure yeah. she's going to do reviews and stuff on that. Welcome to my Macabre Museum. <laughs> I have a cold. I wasn't doing a bad accent. And, uh, I'm glad I didn't sound like that. Doza and I have been talking about doing horror games on Twitch, which is going to be hysterical because Doza is, for somebody who loves horror as much as he does, scared of everything. I, you know, I think that that came out of growing up with a Christian mother, like. Before I I would leave for the day, she'd be like, "Have a good day. Be afraid." <laughs> what? <laughs> Seriously? Not verbatim, but like I, I learned to be frightened of things, and like I I live with uh, my grandparents as well, and I used to garden with my grandmother, and she would just like she had this book of like. Um, all the plants in the world and all the insects and birds and I was fascinated and she was like that one will kill you and that one will kill you and that one that one that one will kill you we have that one in the yard that one will kill you and it'll hurt (laughs) and I was just like okay I guess I'll just go play now I guess I'll just shut myself in my room and rock backwards and forwards slowly and then in then I learned to enjoy horror movies Uh, and like one of the first movies I remember seeing when I was a kid was Rawhead Rex because my dad loved horror movies and I was terrified but I loved the feeling afterwards where I was like that was fucking scary like let me go again I hate being scared like I Resident Evil Silent Hill some of my favorite video games in the whole world are horror games and the whole time I'm playing them like I got my hood up I'm all I have the controller like right next to my face because I'm so scared when I'm done I have this feeling of accomplishment like I did it like my heart is pounding and I feel alive there's this relaxing easy eeriness that comes after you've watched something scary or played something scary yeah that I really enjoy like that little moment after like the credits have gone or the sound's gone and you just have this eerie refreshing blank of oh okay yep like that's like the point that I was trying to make with our our ghost stories episode that's how you can tell you've watched a good horror film like a genuinely scary horror film not because it scared you in the moment but because afterwards you're left thinking and lingering on what just happened and whether or not it could be happening to you right now that's why we gotta talk about our Jaws episode that I won't be there for okay 
I also need to talk about Martyrs because Martyrs is the one that's given me the, the oh, biggest after reaction. Gotta... But that wasn't a nice after reaction. Like, I love that film. Like, it, it's amazing. But I couldn't talk to anyone for, like, at least two or three days afterwards about the movie because I didn't want to even mention it. We'll definitely do a big old Martyrs segment. Yeah. I still have to watch it. It's just, it's just haunting, I suppose. This is how my whole body felt after Martyrs. Does is very cold right now. <laughs> I don't know why. I usually I generate a lot of heat. Something's wrong. Maybe I'm a ghost. You want to start wrapping up? Uh, oh, good pun, because Christmas. Yeah, uh, before we wrap up, I definitely want to touch on some upcoming holiday horrors I'm excited for. Oh, what do you got? Today is Friday the 30th as we're recording this, right? Yes. Whoa. Today, Anna and the Apocalypse comes into theaters, a musical zombie horror Christmas film, which I'm super excited to it see. It checks literally all of my boxes. <laughs> Christmas, zombie, Anna, Anna, <laughs> musical film. And I. <laughs> it's the musical part that I'm a bit worried about, but I'm, I'm hoping it'll be good. The, the, I also am worried about that. Like, I love musical theater. Like, I'm a performer forever. And the songs that they were, like, showcasing in the trailers that I've seen were not great. Cannibal the Musical has good, uh, very fun songs. Uh, like, it, you can do it. So, like, if that's just, like, a, a small snippet and, like, they do do better songs, like, I think this movie will be a huge hit. But Cannibal the Musical is Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Troma Studios, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so no wonder... And, like, they also, they wrote Book of Mormon, which is, like, yeah. a huge, huge hit. So, like, their their songs are great. So, like, either way, like, I'm so excited for this to come out. If I didn't have rehearsal tonight for a musical, I would definitely be going to see it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a follow-up after we've seen it and just be like, hey, this like, is like a mini one. what we felt about Anna and the Apocalypse. And another one I'm looking forward to, Sleigh Bells, which kind of seems like the non-musical version of Anna and the Apocalypse. It's zombies? Uh, no, but it's just, it's, because <laughs> it's just, like, Christmas horror, strong female leads. Oh, yeah, that, that's another important thing. Like, this, a uh, strong female lead in this movie. Hell yeah. yeah. That's the Anna aspect. <laughs> but I definitely think, as much as Annie and the, Anna and the Apocalypse... Annie and the Apocalypse. <laughs> ...is gonna have a lot of kitsch factor because it's a musical, I think Sleigh Bells is gonna be kitschier. Really? Yeah. Okay. It just seems like it's going to fall into a lot of horror tropes, whereas Anna and the Apocalypse might uncover some new ground. Well, let's fucking watch him. Yeah. I'm excited. So today's Fear of the Day is brought to you by that feeling where you get where someone's looking at you just over your shoulder. Fuck that. Like Are you giving us the you? definition of your fear? No. So this fear is cherophobia. Cherophobia. Fear of cheer. Okay. Fear of Christmas trees. Ooh. Anthony's actually pretty close. Oh. <laughs> so, it is the fear of being too happy because you think something tragic is going to happen soon. Oh, man. Oh, it's wow. cherophobia. It's like a... I, I get it. I might be cherophobic. <laughs> yeah, I think I am, too. Exactly. I feel like a lot of people have that, especially, like, this time of year. Like, I don't want to get too much into the holiday spirit because I'm just going to be let down and the trees yeah. will come to life and take me away. Revenge. I do have a recommendation. <laughs> okay. uh, it's, it's not Christmas horror, but uh, it is like winter themed. Y'all seen Blood Glacier? No. no. Oh. <laughs> 
Blood Glacier is a very, very fun movie. Um, I watched it uh, for the first time, I think, like two years ago with my old roommate. And it is uh, more or less a creature feature. It's about a glacier that starts leaking a mysterious red fluid and it mutates all of the living creatures in like the arctic that sounds so fun it's very fun if we're going off snow based films then things like dead snow and let the right one in kind of count dead snow yeah 30 days of night also technically i don't like 30 days of night well no but these are all just snow films oh then the golden compass (laughs) (laughs) snow horror films that polar bear scene in the golden (laughs) compass let the right one in though i think is the most beautiful let the right one in is awesome they also it is now a play and i will be seeing it in a few months hopefully it'll be better than the remake i want to be in it so bad <laughs> i didn't know that there's also no how good... are they gonna do that and play i don't know you could make up i mean you don't really need makeup you get the actor the vampire to knock on the window and say boy let me in and she goes no you're the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the show as far as recommendations go, I do want to strongly recommend Treevenge, mostly because as we were talking about the fact that nobody really does good Christmas horror films, there are a lot of independent filmmakers out there making short Christmas horrors that are so much stronger than some of these Hollywood high-budget Christmas films and Christmas horror films. Even just comparing some of something like Treevenge to the Christmas segment and holidays, which, I mean, you've got someone like Seth Green in it, who obviously that's gonna be a high ticket actor, and it was only okay. Like, watch more independent short horror films and Christmas horror films. So definitely check out Treevenge. And please like, have, a, have a happy holidays. I, I know we, we shit on Christmas a lot this episode, but you know, Only your, because we love it. Yeah, hold yeah. your loved ones close, watch some scary shit, and fucking ring your Krampus bell so he takes you away. What does the bell do? Uh, I think it scares him off, doesn't it? Oh. He just gives Not, it to you as a as Oh, a, yeah, as, as like a, a reminder, reminder that yeah. you're bad. Don't fucking but, forget. But didn't she keep one as, like, a, like to help her? It didn't help well, anymore. Well, no, okay, yeah. Um, fun fact about Krampus before we leave, in all the snow globes in the uh, final scene, there are some homages to other horror films that take place in the same universe, quote-unquote. Uh, the only one that I've caught so far, like, and it takes a lot of pausing the video as it exits, there is a snow globe with the Bates Motel in it. Neat. That rules. And uh, happy hauntings. See you in hell.